Welcome, uh, friends and enemies, to the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rice to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. 707 Walnut in Philadelphia, always at LLPavorsky.com. I am Spike Eskin, along with uh, the concussion protocol himself, Mike Levin. That's a really cool nickname. Concussion protocol. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I might become that. Yeah. What's going on, man? Nothing, buddy. Um, I'm, I can't believe the. Uh, by the way, I can't believe the bus trip is like three days away. It seems like yeah. the bus trip got. We announced it like four months ago, so I can't believe it's actually happening. I can't believe I'm taking an actual vacation day from work to go on the bus trip to Brooklyn. <laughs> but um, we had uh, just. If you're listening to this, first of all, I'm pretty psyched for the bus trip now because watching. Um, was I was watching highlights of a game in Brooklyn, and there's like nobody at those games, so we're going to be especially loud. Right. Um, and I could use the day off of work, so I'm sort of psyched for it. But we had. I think it was either eight or ten people cancel. So there are eight to ten slots left on the bus trip. If you Still. Yeah, currently. yeah, currently. So if you screwed it up and you didn't get a spot on the bus trip, um, it's going to be awesome. We're leaving at like one o'clock from the Jet Row parking lot in South Philly. So for 109 bucks a person, you get the, the bus, the food at the happy hour, the bus the process t- t-shirt, the ticket to the game, and then we're going to take pictures on the court afterwards. So, 109 bucks a person. Just go to fansofphilly.com, fans with a ph of philly.com, and you can get the tickets. Yeah. So, so we have some spots left on the bus trip, and then I think there's another 30 or 35 or so people that we're meeting in New York. Um, yeah. And if you're in New York already and you want to just join us for the game, just email my brother-in-law Joe at fansofphilly.com, and you can buy just a you can get everything but the bus trip. Or whatever. It's going to be great. They've already beat them two times. I'm happy that we're doing this podcast coming off a win. Yeah, you and I, me both. I needed, that. I needed that bad. Yeah. Boy, the Nets are terrible. Oh, my God. They're bad. They're really they, bad. They looked good for a couple weeks. Yeah, but – The thing. I don't know. I Last I mean, night – Good comparatively. Like, Nets good. Yeah. Um, also, real quick, Lottery Party is May 17th at Xfinity Live in South Philly. It is from 6 to 10 o'clock. There will be a giant jewelry giveaway from L.L. Pavorsky. I'm discussing that with L.L. this week. Um, It's going to be awesome. I'm going to talk to, and we'll get into this later, I'm going to talk to Xfinity Live about a mango drink special, (laughs) a mango juice special, and, of course, Shirley Temples. We have to have that. You can get – you'll need – Parking is free. Now, of course, you can take the Broad Street line there. But if you want to drive there, parking is free. But you need one of the free parking tickets because there is a Phillies game that night. So go to com or XfinityLive.com. You just put in your email address and you can download the parking ticket. You either need it on your phone or just a printed ticket. Um, and Mike and I have discussed the T-shirt. There will be a T-shirt this year from Cheese Steak Tees. We're pretty excited about the design. So, so wait, we, we're not—we can't talk about the design yet. No, 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 not yet. I just—I want to see it first, so I know that we're gonna. Like, I want to make sure it looks how we want it to look before we announce. Yes, but visually, it, I think it will be important to to get that correct. Yeah, so it's gonna be awesome. Though. It's gonna be awesome. And there's oh. Rebel. And there's Rebel right on right on cue. Right, okay. Okay, so what do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about last night? Do you want to talk about the Okafor injury? Do you want to? What do? You, what do we want to do? Let's talk about. Let's talk about a win because I feel like we got a bunch of bad things to talk about after that. Okay. Yeah. Well, we also had the Tom Haberstroh article, which is a good thing too. So mm-hmm. we have that to talk about. All right. Mm-hmm. So the game last night. So the win. So it was. You know, it. This has happened a number of times over the last couple of years where. The even the trusters of the process start to get down and bummed out and start yeah. to doubt things. It's always during losing streaks, and it's amazing to me how much one win like takes that pressure <laughs> off. <laughs> right? Isn't it true though? Yeah, I think when they when they came up with the expression "winning heals all wounds," yeah, I yes. think they were. They meant more wins than just the one. No, no, no. One win heals. <laughs> I think so. I think just. I think the one win is just not enough. But for us, 
Dayenu, it's enough. It's enough. It's enough. I talked to uh, – well, first of all, this that's what it felt like. You remember when we beat the Lakers for the first win of the year. It felt like we oh. won the championship. Oh, man. So I was – I was talking to at the Ricky night at the Wells Fargo Center. I was talking to a guy and his wife, and his wife was for, is from Paris, and I guess has only been here for two years, and has never really watched sports until she started watching the Sixers a year and a half ago with him. And she's a huge Sixers fan now, uh-huh. and and he was explaining to me that it doesn't bother her because she doesn't know what it's like to root for a team that wins all the time. So yeah. so wins for her are like awesome. They're like the best thing ever and the losses you know it is amazing i don't know how what's it going to be like if they win one out of every two games at some point even yeah. if they're, you know if they get to 500 wow what yeah, a world. Yeah. yeah it's the opposite for Alyssa because obviously she's a lakers fan so she's, she expects 60 plus wins every season so yeah it hurts worse so the so the game last night i'll tell you the and I'm not I'm not saying this to be I'll tell you they were moving around a lot last night. Oh yeah, yes. uh, There was a lot of moving. It was a lot of even on offense. It was a lot of drive to the hoop, kick out, drive to the hoop, kick out. You know what I mean? It was like that. It was how you would expect, how you would want, even if they're not making shots. It was how you would want the offense to look. And I know Brooklyn is bad, but it it looked good last night. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of college ball since the, it's the conference tournaments, and it honestly looked like a lot of – it looked very college especially – even for the Sixers, especially college where guys are like just trying to kick out for three, and if it's not there, pump faking and driving and just keep moving the ball and keep moving around kind of thing. And uh, against a lackluster team like Brooklyn where there's no real impetus to win or try – yeah, that that sort of stuff will uh, will eventually tire them out and get get people open. They can't close out. They can't keep closing out, especially when the Sixers started hitting a couple threes uh, at the beginning and then later in the game. They they went cold for a while, but uh, I was I was happy with Nerlens. You know, the turnovers were he had five turnovers, I think, but uh, he was very active defensively. Got his hand on lots of balls. That's that's how you know Nerlens having a good day. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, he um, there was that one sequence in the third quarter where he blocked. I think all three of his blocks might have come on that one sequence. Yeah, then they called they called him for that foul, right? Was oh yeah, it? the the Brook Lopez. Well, that was a different possession, but when they called oh. him for the foul on, or it might have been the same the, the the foul on Lopez, which was BS by the way, which was a clean block that they called yeah. on him later, should have been the fourth block of the game. But he looked, um, he just looked active, you know, mm-hmm. even. With the turnovers, he looked active the entire game, so I thought he looked good. And uh, it's amazing how much better, honestly, it's amazing how much better Ish Smith looks when he's not, you know, when when they're all doing that, when they're moving around, and it's not yeah. just Ish ball the whole time. Yeah, there's just too many. There's still even even in games that they win, there's still too many times when like Jeremy or Nerlens or Rashawn like has the ball. 20 feet out and it's kind of just has turned their back to the basket and is waiting to pass the ball to, to somebody near them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 When they, they're just holding it and it's just like, this is such a stall and you're just waiting for somebody to take a fadeaway 25 footer. But you know, that happens, I guess I wonder what Brett thinks of those kinds of possessions, like how, what has to go through his mind where he's just like, this is nothing. Yeah, this is it's like an it's like awkward silence at like a family dinner. That's that that <laughs> possession. Well, and he must at a certain possession or a certain point. You know, you sort of wonder how much he attribute, like how much he lets go because you can't yell at them every time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like because they're so bad. You know, somebody said to me last night. I made a. I was basically doing a Jaleel Okafor subtweet last night by saying, you know, it's amazing how active Nerlens is on both ends. Boy, it's really good to see our big man. Blah 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 blah. Sure, sure. I was just being a dick, but he said. uh he was like, calm down, it's just the Nets. And I was like, hey, you know, the Nets have twice as many wins as the Sixers. Yes. <laughs> so, calm down, it's just the blank. Doesn't affect the Sixers. Because no. everyone is better. 
No, even, even the Lakers have looked have looked like sort of fun and good lately, which yeah. upsets me. Yeah, much better than us. And the other thing that happened last night with the win is that now we only need one more win to not set the record. The Sixers tie yeah. the Sixers with the uh, the nine the nine wins. So you know they have seventeen games left. So. One would imagine they'll be able to squeak out one or two more. Oh, just squeak out a couple. Come on. Well, I still, you know, I think they're going to hit 25. (laughs) I can't let that dream die. I think 25 is accurate. Boy, it is amazing how wrong we were. We were so wrong. Yeah. So wrong, Mike. So wrong. Yeah, well, I think that they started, what, 0-18 again? Oh, and f- nine hundred, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah I think that like that, that beginning. Yeah. I mean, if, I think that beginning sort of set the tone in a in a tough kind of way. Like, oh, we're not going to be right about how many wins they have. No, not at all. Yeah, it even yeah, it got to the point where the number of close games stopped mattering. You know, like, well, we're definitely going to be wrong. And yeah. I, w- <laughs> I will say, you know, the uh, well, whatever. I won't say it. The you know. Everyone moves around a lot more when there isn't somebody who every time they get the ball, they get the ball, uh, is definitely going to shoot every time. That's all I'm saying. Is you know, there's more impetus to move the ball around when it doesn't stop when it hits the same person every time. That's yeah, all yeah. I know us. it. It helps. It also helps. You know, Nerlens can now play the five, so like exclusively. Yep. Rashawn, when he comes back, I don't know if he's going to be out tonight or whatever, but. Rashawn can now also play the five when he's in there. Jeremy can play the four. Like it, it opens up even Covington if he if he comes back or when he comes back is also sort of better suited for the four. Um, there's a, I think there's a, it's tough because the team just plays better when they play one big and a bunch of athletic dudes who can sometimes shoot. Yeah, yeah. Who who will who will at least try to shoot? Yeah. Yeah. The uh, oh, and in case the so the the source a source tells the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast this morning that Robert Covington has been released from the hospital and has now uh, entered concussion protocol. So you know it's funny. It was it was really scary when he was down because he wasn't moving. You know, yes, it but was I'll, really horrifying. Yeah, but, I was like nauseous. I was like nauseous during the whole thing. But I'll tell you, like when you when you rewatch the and of course you know. I, I would say um the the we both are huge fans of Covington and uh just as a player and um, I wish nothing but the best for him. I hope he you know you, you're not out of the woods you know if you just have a concussion. There are guys whose career have ended because of a concussion. But I'll tell you well and I'm so I'm glad he's not paralyzed or anything. You know when I heard he was out of the hospital that was the best news is that you know the only the only thing I saw him move after he went down was his hands once he was on the stretcher. So and I don't know if that was them telling him don't move or whatever it was. Uh-huh. But but rewatching what actually happened it didn't look I think it was ugly, but it it wasn't one of those things where you watch it and you go, "Oh no!" Like it looked like he kicked him in the chin or the yeah. neck or whatever, but it didn't look as bad as the result was, I guess, to me. I I kind of agree. I've never seen a concussion injury come from a jaw, so I guess I was worried oh. that it got him good enough to be like maybe some spinal damage. I it he was down for so long, and the way that he sort of just like collapsed almost like almost like kind of floated to the ground yeah body like sort of like lost weight was really disconcerting and just him being down for so long and not moving not moving and them sort of just standing there and brett walking to and like back and forth yeah Uh, i and i'm no concussion expert clearly but i think the jaw thing happens a lot because of the way it makes your head snap back like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it happens in football when they get hit in the jaw so uh, so let's hope he's okay and I, I haven't heard anything about jeremy and i haven't heard anything about rashawn holmes i'll tell you the bus trip to brooklyn there might be you know a couple of the more athletic people on the bus might have to suit up for the team hey on sunny, it's sunny weems time yeah oh god that guy he's now i guess he's now he hasn't played a minute yet, right? I don't think he's Not played yet. at all. Yeah, no, but he's he's got to play tonight. There's no way he doesn't play tonight. One would think. One would think. And 
So we'll talk more about Sonny Weems yesterday. So that's all I know. That's all I, I gathered from the game last night. It was good to see them win. Uh, Stauskas had a, a couple of nice moments. Uh, what's his name? Hollis. Off the backboard. Yeah, that was sweet. Uh, Hollis had a couple of nice moments. Thank you. Um, what else? Everybody looked pretty good, I thought, last night. Except for Cannon. Cannon didn't look good. I'll tell you, oh. though. Can- oh, you stop. Just stop oh. it. Cannon. Oh, oh whatever. I'll tell That's you. That's all I have to say. He sucks. That he doesn't suck. He really sucks. I'm so excited for him to not be. If, he, if the Sixers were, you know, the Hornets, he could come in for 10 minutes a game. If he's hitting shots, then fine. If he's not, bench him immediately. But he's, do, he's so bad at everything else that you can't have him do anything. No, anything I, at all. You know, I, 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 won't, I won't discuss how how uh oh. how hypocritical uh this is because he's whatever i you know what we'll let this go we'll let this go until the no, off season i'll never let this go oh <laughs> if he comes back next year i'll i'm losing my he's shooting 35 percent from the field what is stauska shooting 37 38 okay so it's the same thing <laughs> no it isn't yes it is <laughs> yes it is all right whatever um you want to talk about the Okafor injury, huh? Yeah. I'll tell you, even as somebody who is not an Okafor fan, the the thing that I am that that gets me spooked when this happens is just the for lack of a better word process of hey, he's sitting out for a knee and then the report, hey, they're doing a CT scan and then the we don't really know what it is, and it's just like that constant drain on my psyche of, oh my god, another injury for another big man. I can't take it. I can't take it. That was the worst because it seems like you know the meniscus thing, the torn meniscus happens all the time. Sometimes they just remove the meniscus or, or like clear out the injured part, and you're back playing. Football players can return in like three days from it. So – it's good that it's not a serious injury, but the process of the injury was the worst part for me. Yeah, it feels like that happens to the Sixers a lot, where they the guy just starts to sit out, and you're like, he should be back by now. Yep. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Yep. And then he's gone. And so, uh, I don't know why that is necessarily. It feels like a lot of guys are getting when when you think of Sixers injuries. You don't think of, I mean, lately at least, aside from Covington yesterday, I don't think of like big, oh my God, watch this, he just went down, that kind of thing. It seems like they play the game and then they finish the game and afterwards it's like, oh, that happened. Shit. What play did that happen on? It's it's like off, it's like off screen. You know what I mean? Does that, do you agree with that? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you, it's sort of, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but it's sort of... I think makes me think more about the Haberstroh article and the monitoring they say they do on them. And you sort of wonder if it's more that they get more nagging injuries or that they are more proactive in them in 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 sitting a guy when he has a nagging injury. And maybe on a different team, the guy would play through it or they wouldn't know that it would happen. And then they would just wind up with the big injury and, and you wouldn't, the whole process of sitting out, sitting out, what's wrong, what's wrong, wasn't going on. I, I guess I would imagine that they know what they're looking at and what they're wondering is wrong, but they mm-hmm. just don't tell us. Yeah. Yeah. That feels right. That would be the guess. So, um, so how do you think, okay. So the first, the bummer about it is the, the bonus to the Sixers is just how many minutes rookies get and young guys get and the value you know the hardest thing to get in the NBA for a young player the 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 thing of of the most consequence i think that that you can do is get guys minutes and that's what the sixers have been doing because that's the best way to improve and mm-hmm. then okafor misses out on you know 17 games which is 500 minutes which is you know all that i think that's the biggest thing and then a secondary concern would be um trade value. I, I don't know that I would put um, you know, lifetime concern over it. It doesn't seem like it's that sort of an injury. But that would be my that would be my concern with this happening. Yes, they um it seemed like they um are happy with the fact that 
it's just this. Yeah. It seemed like they're, at least from what we heard, it seemed like it could have been worse. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't feel good still uh, that, that there's another big man with a bad injury um, on a team where we've had a lot of those the yeah. past few years. Yeah, it's been... I'm really tired of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, there it's have just, been a it's lot. So, it's, it's so sad. It's so sad to... Watch. But, but but okay. But here's the thing. Here's what I wonder because I I I have become as we've done this and we've done how many? I mean, I think this summer won't this won't we have been doing this for three years or is it two years? I think it's three years. Is it three? I'll look in a second. But a, as the process of doing this podcast has gone on. I've become more and more hyper-focused on the Sixers. You know, I still watch the rest of the NBA, but I think I pay a little less attention around the league than I used to. And I I think, I don't know whether there's more of it here or less of it here. You know, like, I don't know if, you know, Jimmy Butler is out with a knee thing. Derek Rose, you know, has had his things. Like, isn't there something probably – didn't Kawhi Leonard miss a bunch of games last year? Isn't – doesn't every team sort of go through this and, and we're just – all we have are these, these young guys and it – if we don't – and we never win. So if a guy misses games, we have, we have almost nothing to watch anymore. Are we yes. more sensitive yeah. to it maybe? I guess that, I think, that's I my question. I think a little, but it is happening at, at, a, at an alarming rate just with – Going from Bynum to the first year of New Orleans' career to the Embiid to now Jaleel, yeah, it's you know it's a lot. It's a lot. It is every. It is all of them. I think. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's like you know the Phillies. Aaron Altair got hurt in spring training, and you're like, oh well, this is half the reason I want to watch the game. Not that he's the only guy, but it does. When you're a bad team, that's what you're watching for. You're watching for development. That's what we love. That's what that's the whole point of the process is watching these guys develop. And when they're sitting for long periods of time, not that we're saying never rush any guys back or have them play hurt or anything. And there was that good Okafor quote in the uh, Haberstow article that was about, he's like, yeah, I thought in the NBA you just like fought through, fought through injuries and just like had to play. Yeah. You're getting paid to do it. Um, but he's like, it's not like that here. They want me to... They care about my long-term health, which is good to hear. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's tough because you know. On the other hand, you're like, okay, well, Rashawn Holmes is a guy that we didn't get to see as much as I think we'd like to, and this does get this opens up that opportunity to see to see what he can do. And they're like another young guy in Elton Brand. <laughs> Happy birthday, Elton Brand! By the way, thirty-seven years young. I, I realized when I saw that it was Elton Brand's birthday, he was 37, and I realized I'm two and a half years older than Elton Brand, that it's 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 really sad that everybody talks about how old he is <laughs> and how yeah. old that he is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think – but I, I do feel like they've sort of done a little of both. I think – you know – I remember last year at a certain point when Nerlens missed a game, Brett Brown sort of publicly questioned him a little bit. And I forget what the quote was, but it was definitely a a nudge that he should be playing through whatever he wasn't playing through. And I think Nerlens has done that. You know, Nerlens has done that this year and last year, and I I don't I, I I'm really curious after reading that Haberstraw article, which again we'll get to, you know what what makes the judgment of something that you should be trying to play through, and what is the judgment of something that you shouldn't be trying to play through? You know, I think they're probably making really educated decisions on those things, but yeah. it's interesting to me what guys play with nagging things and what guys don't, because it seemed like Nerlens had nagging knee stuff for a month and a half of the season, didn't he? Yeah, and he wasn't yeah. he wasn't and, limited and at all. To, yeah, and they do seem to sit him a lot because Nerlens especially is his game is predicated on his bounce and his ability to like hustle and make like plays off the ball. So it's not like he's 
doing it. If he's not 100%, like he's not anywhere close to the player he needs to be. So I'd almost rather him sit because he looks so like like a wounded bird when he's not fully there. But with Jaleel, it's like, okay, you can sort of, he's a bigger guy, he's a fight, he can fight through it a little bit more, but obviously not the meniscus. Yeah, I mean it's it sucks when these then when so many injuries happen and it, it the point of the process is that there's not just the one guy we're not just putting all our eggs in one basket we're having a bunch of baskets but when each basket is fucking broken yeah it's problematic it, yeah it's problematic and it almost like it's an indictment on baskets <laughs> I, it's tough man I'm tired of people getting hurt I'm I went on I think people were uh, just on Twitter I went on like more of like this is starting to get bad again and we we talked earlier in the podcast about how they they just every once in a while us we process trusters will go through this and start to, during a losing streak and start to be like no this maybe this come on something should happen but it it does feel more heightened every time because we're at the end of year 3 and not that it, it's it it would be ignorant to say that it's the same as it felt in year one or year two because this is like hey come on we're it's the third year and we're losing more games than ever. There's a bunch of guys in the team that I like and that I think could become NBA players, but it well, they're still so far from being anything close to a contending team, which is the point of all of this team building and prioritizing winning in the long term, not the short term. Yeah, I mean, realize that they could win 300% more games next year than they do this year and still only win 32 games or something. You know, I think a triple the wins, which they're not going to do. And they could, but I'll tell you, on on a certain level, I... You are you're sick of it, and you're at the end of your rope. I think for me, what it becomes is I'm a little more numb to it. I, it's had the opposite effect on me. Okay. I guess I just sort of expect it all the time. I we have been beaten so many times with these things that I just sort of expect it to happen. And also, I'm not the gonna losing miss or the injuries. So everything. Hey, okay. Rebel. Um, everything. I think the, the, <laughs> the dog. I love my dog, but he won't shut up. The everything, uh, the losing I wish would stop, the injuries I wish would stop. But but I think this one affects me in a different way too because I don't care about watching the guy. And honestly, yeah, but when I, I am, you don't you don't get any enjoyment out of watching him when he's good. None out of like zero. when they use him correctly. Nope, nope. I, That's I tough. Don't, I'm sorry. Yeah, you don't like watching. Don't you like not like watching the Spurs? I don't like watching the Spurs. So maybe that's the maybe that's just you. Well, because Jaleel Okafor and the Spurs are the same thing. <laughs> no, I'm just saying if you don't like watching good basketball when they when they no 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 the top of the key hold on like let him and he works fast doesn't hold the ball for an hour and a half hold on he's and he can pass he's fun to watch like bully guys inside I I think he is fun for you to watch he is fun for some people to watch just because I don't just because. Yeah, but I'm. Uh, it, it doesn't mean I don't like watching good basketball. There's plenty you of good basketball. You only watch the Spurs, I, I, so I, I don't no, know how. No, yeah. I'm mo- because I'm sick of the Spurs. Because I'm like, it's not the style of basketball they play. It is that that there's nothing. I don't get excited watching the Spurs. Like I've seen enough of Tim Duncan and Tony Parker playing the right way for my entire life. I'm just, I'm over it. And I was over it probably. Eight years ago, I'm just I don't well, get Kawhi any. Kawhi is the reason you watch the Spurs. He's incredible. Yeah, he's a good player, but I I don't. He doesn't. He is so he in. I'll tell you, he would be more fun to watch probably on a different team when I could watch him do more things. Like I I don't I don't get much joy. I'd rather see him do more. Like I'd rather see him. Him, I'd rather see his individual talents more. I just, I'm bored by the Spurs. But to compare like Jaleel Okafor's dopey slow post moves to, uh, to to saying that because I don't enjoy one and two, I'm not the only person that doesn't like watching the Spurs. Like I like watching the Warriors. I, you know what I mean. I got there's plenty of good basketball I like watching. Um, I just don't 
and and to to liken the two. I don't like low post basketball almost at all. Like I've never enjoyed watching a guy sit on the post and try to um, you know spin and dipsy do his way to the basket. The only guy I ever remember watching, like I was a Knicks fan growing up and I didn't even like watching Patrick Ewing. The only guy I can remember in that position watching and really enjoying was Elijah Wan because he was so transcendent and so much different than every guy that played that position. I don't get any joy out of watching Okafor because I don't, you know, when they're using him the right way, it is very, very, very short bursts that yeah. he is going and doing it quickly. Like there's, yeah. you know, it's it's two or three possessions in a row and then that's it. So I'm not going to miss watching him. And I think like mostly our future is is it can't be dependent on him. Like well, so, no, I don't think it's dependent on him, but and not that. He's the guy, not that at least we thought he was going to be the guy. I think other people did and, and still do. Right. Um, but if if you – regardless of if you think Ogilfer is the guy or not, his trade value takes a huge hit when he's injured and not playing. Yeah, I guess so, I, I just sort of had been resigned to his trade value not being very much at all. Or I mean there being some trade value, but I, I don't imagine it's super high. I I, yeah, I to, just disagree. I mean he was he's one of the most heavily scouted big men ever like he he's been he's been a top prospect since the eighth grade okay he's he's, people people like him and want want to watch i mean yes the nba is going away from the post but he's he's still like a an incredibly skilled 20 year old who is already pretty dominant on offense as a rookie so yeah yeah yeah, i don't want him I, i don't want him as a building block on on my team because I think it's it's tough to build around a guy like that, but I think other people will see that talent. Half the league or something will see that talent and be like, yeah, I I would trade a lot for that. But that seems very. It it almost seems it's funny because it seems like something that you would make fun of. It seems very Philly fan to think. Well, I don't want this guy being a centerpiece of my team. I don't want to base a team around this. But hopefully, half the league would want to. You know, like what part? Yeah, but of- I'm not saying it because he's not good. I'm saying it because I don't. It's it's the style of play that I, I think the Sixers and having two big men who I think are better and easier to build around. It's that's, right. That's what I, it is. I think people are I, still looking for good centers and good offensive centers that they could swing, swing the. Uh, pendulum over to be like okay now we have this guy we're gonna dominate with him there even though because the, the rest of the league is going away from that maybe I don't think so though and and but but I think about it this way is that here's why I think it okay let's say his trade value is somewhere in between whatever you imagine it is and whatever I imagine it is so so, which is probably likely, I would guess, is that it's somewhere in the middle, let's say. So I just don't think that the future of the franchise is it, – it isn't dependent on it because I don't think the return from him for him is anything transcendent or great and I don't think he is. So to me, it's either Embiid or – the number one or number two pick this year, or or something or some giant trade, but I don't think whatever Okafor is or whatever he gets you is what what redirects the course of the franchise to where we want it to be. So, so you're already that, punting on the you're already losing any any semblance of value from last year's draft. Not any semblance of value, but definitely top two pick value in in or top three pick value in my head that that would be the case i i think I think the league has gotten to a place where you know rightly or wrongly, I think a lot of people are trying to think the same way and play a, a similar way. There's very few organizations that are you know basing their future around a low post big man um you know, so and even the Spurs, who you know, once Duncan retires, it's not even like Lamarcus Aldridge is a low post big man. He's not a post up player, really. I mean, he's he's a different. So he's more like, I mean, he plays in the post, but yeah, he, he steps out. In the yeah, he's actually more like he reminds me of Ewing a little bit in that respect, and that he's it's mostly jump shots. So I don't know. 
I don't know where that's happening in the league. And, and a lot of where it was happening, like Memphis, everybody is sort of saying, well, that's dead. You know what I mean? So, so maybe I'm wrong and maybe there's somebody out there who is willing to give you equal value for, for what he was or what he, people imagined he would be, but I don't think so. I think you know, you're, I, you're, you're looking at like second half of the lottery type return for him. That would be Dude, I mean, listen, again, I feel like I say this a lot. I didn't like Jaleel going into the draft. I don't like him as, in terms of a franchise building block now because that's the way – that I just I prefer a center that plays defense, and I know that a lot of league does. But he's shooting 51% from the field. He's getting 18 and seven, a couple blocks. Like he's he's having a good season. Like objectively, he's having a good season. Yeah, there's a ton of weaknesses, especially in the defensive end, that are problematic. But he's playing on the worst team in the league, where he's expected to do so much, and he's holding his own. He's expected I, I, to do so much. All he, all he's asked to do, he's not rebounding. He's not defending. All he's doing is scoring points. To run the offense, pretty much. The, half the season was the was the offense being run through him and just saying, right, okay, right. Well, and and the team and the team in the post against Rudy Gobert. Right, and the team was considerably worse when he was running the offense because like, he's a rookie, and that's what rookies do. You can't it, you can't count on rookies as much as the Sixers have okay. and expect to win. Well, you you can point to your eighteen and seven, and I'll point to whatever Michael Carter Williams rookie stats were, and say that that the it, difference is NCW wasn't he's was twenty two and and wasn't hitting any jump shots. Jaleel is doing exactly what he's good at, and he's okay. I don't know why you're so mad at me that listen, I don't think his trade value is high. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I just think people around the league and around the internet are like, well, yeah, Jaleel has been so disappointing, and it's like, no, he hasn't. He's been great. He's been really, really great. Can he defend? No. Because he couldn't defend in college, he can't defend now. Can he rebound? Worse than we want him to. Does he pass less than you want him to? Yeah. But he's a rookie. And rookies get better. And if if he if he was on a team with Carmel, if he was on the Knicks right now, he'd be in the conversation for rookie of the year because he's playing next to real NBA players and a guy like Carmelo Anthony who commands double teams and commands the ball a lot. And if he was on Minnesota, he'd be, I mean, all this stuff, the fact that he's on the Sixers where there's just less talent and less people around him that can make shots and be in the right position, it's, it's a knock on him. But to say that he's been bad or that his value is super low, I just think is crazy because he's playing really well and he's exactly the player he was in college. He's, he's playing exactly how I would expect him to, but... I didn't expect him to play any differently. Like, like I, I don't know. Would you? Tr- okay, so you would trade him for Towns. You would trade him for Russell. You would trade him for Porzingis. You would trade him for Hazonia. I would imagine you wouldn't trade him for Willie Cauley Stein. Would you trade him for Emmanuel Moutier? Um, that's a tough call. I mean, is or is this just this? Is, if the Sixers are like in a in a vacuum, like this player for this player, no context around it. Uh, yeah, no context. Let's say. Uh no, I would I would take Jaleel over Moutier. Stanley Johnson. Yeah, I like Stan a lot. Justice Winslow. Yeah, I like Winslow a lot. Miles Turner. Uh, I think the Turner stuff's a little overblown. I did like him coming out, um, because he can step. I mean, he's like the modern NBA big man in that, in that he can step out and also block shots. Um, the way I'd probably put him at even because okay. I think you can. I think it's easier to hide. Turner, you can play on any team, but I think that he's not gonna. He doesn't have the upside that Jaleel does. I don't think. Okay, and then Trey, you you would say yes with Devin Booker, I assume, right? Uh, no, I wouldn't. You wouldn't trade him straight up for Devin Booker. I mean, on the Sixers, yes. Okay. Because I think he fills a real need, but uh, in a vacuum, I think Devin Booker. You can find a lot of Devin Bookers, and Jaleel has a, a more elite talent than Booker. Just sort of, I, I like him. I think he's better than I thought he would be, but I don't think. I would. I still wouldn't do it. That's like. That's like. I don't know. That's like seven guys that you. Yeah, I had him eight on my board coming out of college. I. I've. I didn't like him. So but, what do you think his value is? If it's not like the ninth pick in the draft, then what would his value be? Well, I there's the difference is what I what the value is to me and what the value is league wide and he. I think many people think of think higher higher of him than I do. Hmm. Because otherwise, why would he get drafted? I mean, in in my in a perfect world, we would have drafted Hazonia or Porzingis, and I would have been happy with that. 
or or justice. I would have loved justice wins with <laughs> those guys. I would have been really happy with. But Jaleel is a, is a specific kind of talent that you have to really build a team around. And if you have a guy playing next to him that can block shots and stretch the floor, that helps a lot. If you have shooters around him and a point guard that'll set him up in good positions, it's tough. It's tough to it's tough to put him on a bad team and say, hey, you know, you won a national championship last year. Now go beat everybody else. And I think that they they set him up. The team has set him up in a way that isn't maximizing his strengths, and he's still holding his own as a rookie who's had to deal with adversity this year. Some, I mean, sometimes on his own, obviously, his, that's all the shit that he got into is not, like, a crutch. But I just think people look at his look at the people that are around him. Porzingis obviously gets hyped up because it's the Knicks and he's got a fun name and he's cool. And then Russell and Towns are each playing real well and Miles Turner is playing well. But <coughs> just because Jaleel isn't as fun-looking, he's doing exactly what people predicted he would do coming out of college. He's just doing it for the worst team in the league. So it hurts. It doesn't look as impressive. But I'm I'm impressed. Based on what I thought he was, He's the fact that he's still dominating in his way as a rookie, I'm, I'm, he is better than I thought he would be. And I okay. think that's, I think somebody would, would, would very much like to have him on their team if the Sixers are going to trade him for fucking Justin Anderson or something. Um, LL Pavorsky is oh, the, yeah, is the official sponsor and the official jeweler of the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. You know, Mike, the weather around here is getting nicer. And you know what that means? That means if you haven't proposed to your girlfriend yet, that you're supposed to do it. Now, I don't know if you know this, Mike, but when you propose to your girlfriend to make her your fiance, you have to get her an engagement ring. And I don't know if you're aware, but the engagement ring is a monster purchase, right? I mean, you've heard this before, right? I've heard it. Yeah, and so if you're going to make a monster purchase like this, you want a guy who's going to take the time to make sure you're happy. You want a guy who isn't going to force you into spending more money than you have. You want a guy who who is who who likes the Sixers and and goes and sits in the upper deck with a bunch of idiots during a Sixers game. And luckily, we have that for you. That is L.L. Pavorsky, the guy takes care of rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners. I've met some of the people now who have bought engagement rings from LL, and uh, they're all super happy. LL is like now a... I was talking to guys at the Rights to Ricky night at the Wells Fargo Center, and LL came over to grab me, and I said to them, I go... That's Lee Pavorsky, and they all got super excited, like they had met a celebrity. So you go see LL at the store at 707 Walnut, uh, or you can give him a call, 215-627-2252. You can tweet at him, at LL Pavorsky. He's always there for you, He's whatever question you have. And if you go in, you ask a bunch of questions about the engagement ring, you want to go home and sleep on it, he's not going to pressure you into, you know. So he's the dude. You want to buy jewelry, he's the dude. Engagement rings, anything else. Like I said, LLPavorsky.com and is the official jeweler of the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. LL makes generous donations to the Alzheimer's Association of the Delaware Valley and Rain for every podcast. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Being a Sixers fan is hard. Buying an engagement ring shouldn't be. Prioritize winning in the short and long term. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Wow, that's a long catchphrase. Yeah, I felt good. Yeah. I felt just like really giving him a bunch there. Yeah. Throwing it at the wall, see what's there. Yeah, I don't know what a branding agency would say about a, a catchphrase that long. But uh, but it certainly talks. It certainly says everything about LL. Yeah, that's what it is. Get it all out there. Um, good things happening in Sacramento. By yes. the way, boy, what a you know. It's funny. It's funny watching. You know, every argument just comes into one side or the other, and Boogie Cousins has definitely become that. But it's funny to see like everyone's like. Oh, he he doesn't succeed because he's had a hundred coaches and a hundred different point guards and. Maybe at a, well, certain, his, a lot of it is his fault. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. At a certain point, when you get all your coaches fired and you make them trade all your point guards, you know, at a certain point, that that is on you. He is nuts. That guy is crazy. So it's good to see. I'm glad George Carl is dealing with his cancer thing and hopefully he's back. But um, 
Cousins suspended for a game for lighting up Carl and Vlade Divac after a game. <laughs> they are one game in the loss column out of the six worst worst record in the league. There's there's no way that New Orleans finishes with a worse record than they are. It's no awesome. Way. It's awesome because yeah, there was there was a point this year where we were where they were flirting with a playoff spot, and we and were I sort of bummed. Still, I think they'll still tell you that they kind of are, but I mean they're seven and a half games back of Houston. So it, I'm will, not it will definitely be more fun to watch. The, the Sixers are pretty firmly entrenched in that bottom spot. It'll be definitely more fun to watch the Sacramento maneuvering for you know the six to nine spot or wherever they end up. But the sixth spot is a, a nice little bump for us, and I can only imagine. I was thinking earlier, how funny would it? Be? I don't know why they would ever do this, but if we get the second pick and they get the first one, and Sam's like, Nah, I don't want to swap. Like for some reason, <laughs> he, like he would, he would swap. The most processed moment ever is deciding to take the worst pick for some reason. Um, <laughs> I, I almost wouldn't it Sam, be better? Sam let me ask you. This guy is better. Let me ask you this: Wouldn't it? W- would it be better? Imagine we're at the lottery party. Would it be better for the Sixers to win the number one pick or for the Kings to win the number one pick and we swap with them? Well, here's the thing: it it depends on whether or not you want the Lakers pick this year. Oh right, because right, right. I do. I want it to be four, even if it's five, four or five, I'd be thrilled with um, because I, I worry that they're going to be a lot better next year. And I think that there's just more variance. Like if uh, the fourth pick in the draft, when you have a top three pick already, that just feels like, yes, let's start to build now. Let's go do it because, yeah. you know, because we've been losing for a while and I'd like to not lose so much. Um I hear the argument for the next year's draft being better, and and it is. But I also like a lot of those guys in the in the four to eight range, and I think that they could <clears throat> whatever. Um, so I guess it depends. It, it, since the Kings jumping into the top three and the Sixers being there also means that the Lakers would not would have less of a chance to stay there. Right. So, in ter- and, and just in terms of franchises that I want to fail, the Kings are not. I mean, obviously, I want them to be bad this year because of the picks up, but I don't have, I don't like want them to fail. Yeah. You know, in the same way that I want Minnesota, I don't want Minnesota to get a top pick, and I don't want the Celtics to get a top pick. Um, the Kings, like, I sort of, you, I think they're they're sort of kindred spirits with us a little bit. Obviously, I've, on the other side of the coin, but their fans have had to deal with so much yeah. shit. Same I feel way bad that, for their know? fans. Yeah. yeah. So if they if they get number one and and we got number two and we swapped like I think they'd be happy I think we'd be happy it'd be it would be okay across the board so yeah I'm I'm totally okay with that and it w- I think it would be hilarious I think it, for yeah. the process a Kings pick swap would be yes. a big win oh, for the, the how Hinky good would that feel people yeah for the yeah. process. Couple of notes before we get to some Twitter questions. Uh, Tony Roten, wait, did Roten not ever sign with the Knicks? Did that ever? Did that not happen? You know, it looked uh, like it was definitely going to happen, and yeah, then it's not actually gone through. No, I. You know, I think. Hold on, I'm I think gonna, it's still like almost happening. They're still finalizing uh, the deal. Uh, oh, Tony Roten likely won't play this season. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. They, yeah, they signed him to be like, hey, let's get your knee better. Ah, okay. Well, congratulations to Tony Roten. Um, you know, love you, miss you. We had the – it was a nice – it was a quick stop with the Sixers for Christian Wood, which nothing made me happier than that, than to see him gone after three days of his 10-day. Um, congratulations to – He'll be back. He'll be back. Congratulations to Jakar Sampson for being a starter, I think, most of the time for the Nuggets right now, which is unreal. A star, in fact. And I'm definitely going to go – I'm not organizing anything, but I'll tell people when I'm going to go. I'm definitely going to the Bob to see Baron Davis play for the Sevens. I have to go to Delaware to see that. That's awesome. Yeah, That would be cool. That was one of my predictions was Baron Davis. Yes, it was. You said it in your post, and we both said it in the podcast. So yeah. it's good to have. I would love to see him on the Sixers for the That'd final. That'd be so much fun. That'd be days. so much yep. fun. Next year, it. even. Let's yes, it. I'm bet, fine with bets. that. You want to do some Twitter questions, real quick? Uh, yeah, just so you know, the you what? know the Miami's been hot lately, but the Thunder have not been. Yes, and uh, and so those two, I think those two late late picks are going to be, you know. 
26 and 19. That's not something to sneeze at. So I'll take it. I don't think I, I think that's a that's you can package that up and maybe get back into the back end of the lottery. Slide up to like 14 or 13. That's a there's action there. The Sixers certainly don't need you know come, coming next year. They're not going to need like quantity or play. Yeah, they're not going to need yeah. quantity guys. So I'd 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 like to get it, package some picks and get up there. All right. Uh, this is from Ryan Jones on Twitter, which, oh, by the way, he, let me just throw this out there. I was watching the game last night and sort of thought that TJ McConnell is sort of lick face. Yeah. Okay. You I'm know, not... like I looked at his He's face. He's the best old. though. Like, yeah, we need I, to... I, have, I have no problem with TJ anymore, but he is sort of lick face a little bit. All right. I, no, I don't think any sixer makes me as happy as TJ. I mean, Hollis oh, really? is still my guy, but yeah. I think TJ is the one that makes me the happiest. From Ryan Jones, which Sixer would progress the furthest on American Ninja Warrior? Would have been Jakar. Uh, yeah, would have been Jakar. I was right there with you. Um, TJ. I think TJ. <laughs> he would be good at it. Yeah. I think uh, Jeremy would probably be an interesting combination of speed uh, and power. Yeah. Uh, from Charlie, uh, Simmons or Ingram? It's a different question every time. I would, uh, because I'm work. They went BPA at least in their minds with Okafor last year, and that hurt me. Um, Simmons would really mean having to like move a lot of guys around and and find a place for it. Ingram would just fit so well immediately, um, and he might be better. And I do worry about the jump shot. I'm going to say right now, but it will change. I'm going to say Ingram right this second. Wow. I'm going Hazonia again. I'm, uh, okay, I'm so disappointed after last year. All right. From Matthew Pace, uh, yes or no, do you think Baron Davis plays for the Sixers this year? No. Okay. Going to give a shout out to Elias on Twitter, who um, he believes he is the only process truster in his country, which is Dominica, which is not the Dominican Republic. He said, "Google it." I've never heard of Dominica, so shout out to Elias in Dominica. And uh, he asked, "How process is it that Elton Brand and Carl Landry saved us last night? Scale one to ten, with ten being the most." Hmm, it's interesting because it's very process and it's very unprocessed. Carl Landry yeah. was great last night, by the way. He was. I like seeing them succeed. Um, I mean, it's the, both the most and least process at the same time. Um, I don't feel like talking about this again. Ghost asked, Okafor and Noel's trade value starting to feel like neither will be here this year, pending a healthy Joel. I do think that it it is uh, it is becoming more and more of a reality that who is on the Sixers now is still not like close to who will be on the team when they're good. Right. And that's sad for me. Because I think that you were hoping that all this development, that they're spent taking time to develop these guys, when they haven't, you know, it hasn't worked as much as you want it to. Yeah, I would be, the, the only guy I think that I would be, I mean, I've said this, I, I really would be hurt if Nerlens got traded. It would be really crushing for me. Not, yeah. and not, not you know, abandoning the the franchise sort of crushing, but I've really grown to really, really like Nerlens. I like his hair. I like watching him play basketball. You know, I like that he was doing a duet with Jordan Sparks um, mm-hmm. at that Sixers charity event. Um, from two guys, from Rob and from PJ, so Sixers are going to have about $45 million in cap space. What is the biggest level of free agent that you think they sign? Like what's the biggest contract you think they hand out? I think they give somebody a max contract. Really? Somebody? Yeah, Ooh, I think they give somebody a max contract. Somebody yeah, – I don't, I don't think it's exactly going to be DeRozan, but somewhere in that in that area. Some DeRozan-esque player that's like hopefully young, uh, was maybe a little bit undervalued on, on another team, and they think that they can sort of harden him into being the. That's James Harden. James Harden him into being like a like a superstar for them. From the fake Philip, the intern on Twitter, do you think Jaleel Okafor has played his last game as a Sixer? <sighs> Why don't we do this percentage chance that he has played his last game as a Sixer? 
uh, it's tough because I don't know how much the injury hurts the trade value. Um, I'll say 33%. I think lower. I'd say like closer to 15. I think he's here next year. Um, from Sixers Portugal, what were the what is the biggest mistake so far that Sam Hickey has made? We praise him a lot, but he isn't without his faults. I I think it was the yoga for pick. Yeah, I I never wanted that to happen. <laughs> I think that I I I think he didn't realize how much not having a point guard and it's sort of combined with the point guard thing, but how, how much not having a point guard and, and, and just letting these guys who play the same position uh, play with each other isn't going to maximize their strengths. Not even maximize their strengths, but like let them show off their strengths enough. Can I, um, let me ask you this, the, the point guard thing. Here's an interesting question. If you could do it, well, I guess it's interesting. That's subjective. If you could do this season all over again and they could sign Ish Smith, and I, like the record would be better by ever how much it was. Would you do it, or would you let the season go as it's gone? Oh, I mean, yeah, I would have. I would have re-signed Smith or or had a healthy Kendall Marshall from the beginning. I think a, a health Kendall Marshall that wasn't injured that really cut, had time. I think that he could have been totally and, fine. And risked not having the first pick, or and risked a worse chance at the first pick. Yeah, I I think they'd be right in the mix. It still, yeah. Okay, I think they'll be right there. Uh, from Brett, what is the most important thing you'd like to see from the Sixers in the final um, 18 games, aside from a win on bus trip night? <sighs> um, the most important thing. It's really as broad as just like development. I think I think I want to see consistent, like a consistent jump shot for Jeremy, a consistent. Like outside threat from Nerlens, and he doesn't like fall asleep and become invisible. Yeah. Um, I want Stauskas's shot to to keep going in. Um, and it'd be nice if Rashawn Holmes really made made their choice difficult about how many big men that they have to be like, we got to trade one because right. this guy's good. That would be nice if they if if Rashawn Holmes was good enough because I think Rashawn honestly. Like he's really good at the rim, defensively, and I that he could be in in some world like the best version of Jaleel and Nerlens as as like a backup, you know, because he can he can take it inside. He, he has no defensive rebounding ability whatsoever, which is crazy. But I think that he's he's enough of a potential two way player to where. If he develops the way you want him to, you might be like, "We, this could be our backup big man that we can put behind Embiid and feel good about." You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know historically how much guys are able to improve on defensive rebounding, but it's sort of puzzling given his athletic ability and how hard he works that he's so bad at it. Yeah, I think I, I do think it's, it's coaching. I think it's positioning and yeah. He, I think you can coach that into him because he's, he's got a knack for it on offense and on defense. He just doesn't know where to be. But I was looking at the stats earlier in the podcast. Robert Covington has a defensive rebound percentage over 20, which he's one of yeah. only like six small forwards <laughs> in the game that has that. He uh, he gets to a lot of boards on the defensive end. So Yeah, he, he has more like 8 to 11 rebound games than you would expect when you yeah, just look at sure. it. That's the one thing that's been consistent this year. He's been very streaky otherwise. But two yeah. things from Akiva. Um, one, how about the nickname of Smash Brothers for Nerlens and Jeremy? And <laughs> is there any chance they are secretly turning Embiid into RoboCop? Yeah, definitely. I like Smash Bros. Um, Smash oh, Bros. you know what? We never talked about the Haberstraw article. Yeah. Um it was really awesome. I'll tell you to me what it was. It was a publicity piece for free agents that might want to come to Philadelphia is yeah. what it looked like to me. I mean, which I'm totally in favor of. Sure. But it was it was a very much like even guys like, you know, they didn't sign Ish and Ogafer is clearly not happy here. And there's great quotes from both of them in the article about the organization. You know, Ish is like, 
they're adding years onto my career. Mm-hmm. Okafers, you know, I never thought it would be this way. But there, I thought it was really interesting. It was really just not interesting in that I guess I expected it. It was just nice to hear that they are so forward thinking in all of that stuff. I guess I sort of assumed that it was all going on, but it was nice to read it. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking at free agents this year right now, and I think you look at a guy like, you know, like a Harrison Barnes, if they feel like they can yeah. unlock something in him, or uh, even a little bit older and like Nick Batum. Or like I think I, what would be cool is if they just threw a max contract at Jordan Clarkson and was like, "Do something, Lakers." Do yeah, something. I would. I would be in favor of that. I, yeah. I would. I would be in favor of a big contract to Clarkson or Bazemore. I like Bazemore too. Bazemore, I think, is <laughs> that's a little bit more risky. I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Max, I would not max out Bazemore. Um, but I like him. I think he'd be good. Um, or Fournier, maybe an Evan Fournier kind of guy. Who knows? It's think, funny. Uh, Barnes Barnes does not do it for me. And in fairness, Harden didn't do it for me until he was on Houston. So oh, really? I, I could be wrong. Yeah, but but uh, Barnes, it just – I never – and maybe it's just the role that he's being asked to play. But I yeah. don't know what he the looks best so version of him is. He looks so much slower than them. Yes. He looks so much slower and robotic than them. Yeah. But he is only 23, and I don't think that they're going to have the money to sign him. So, um, you know, he's – Pretty consistent three-point shooter, solid across the board. Doesn't turn the ball over too much. Like, I guess, what's the, what? what is the best version of him? Who is the best version of Harrison Barnes? That's you an know? interesting question. Um, I think the the hope is, and maybe that's crazy, but I think the hope is like a, like a Paul George. I don't think he's right. that athletic, but I think that's the – Yeah. That's, that's where you're hoping to get, yeah. right? Yeah. That seem accurate? That okay. seems fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want a jigsaw? Let's do it. All right. Play. I will play this game. Game we play. I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I- I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? Here we go. I was working on this with Val beforehand. I think I'm going to make a, a slight alteration to it to make the choice a little bit more difficult. All right. Option one. You can only bathe once every two weeks. That includes baths, showers, and even includes, like, you can't cheat and go to the sink and wash your armpits in the sink. You can only bathe once every two weeks. Or you always have a terribly runny nose, like you have the worst allergies ever. Okay, that's it. Runny nose or bathe once every two weeks. Correct. Easily bathe every once every two weeks. Really? So wait, wait okay. let me actually ask. Bathe. Can I like wash my hands? Yes, but that's it. You can't wash your face. You can't. You, you can't. can wash your hands at, like after the bathroom or something. And I can like put deodorant on. Uh, yes, you can. You know, you can. Uh, you know, cologne and deodorant all you want. And I can be like hat guy. Yeah. 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 I would. I, the runny nose thing. Would, no, I couldn't do it. Bathing every two weeks would be freeing in a way. Yeah, except my biggest problem is it would prevent me because I really don't think it would be that big of a problem unless I exercised. I feel like I could get away with it until I yeah. started exercising. You know? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I'd still think. I mean, I do worry about being a smelly guy. That's yeah. a big concern of mine. Um, but runny nose is just such a so visual, annoying. Like the, for, the foreverness of a runny nose really yeah. haunts me. It's tough. Um, but yeah, I'll go bathe. Real It'll quick, uh, the grinder that Mike wrote is on March 22nd, right? Yeah, it's a week from Tuesday. Pretty exciting. We'll all be watching. We, we should have a Twitter watch party. Twitter watch. watch party. Yeah, we'll all talk about the grinder as we're watching the grinder. So Mike's episode is March 22nd. That one I watched. If, my, if, if the ratings tick up for my episode, that'd be a really big win for me. If we get. Wouldn't it be hilarious if they ticked up in Philadelphia? Yeah, that'd be unreal. <laughs> it, just, it ticked up for people just on basketball Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and Val and I watched Spotlight last night. I've watched two two movies in the last week. I watched okay, Creed. Congrats. 
watch Creed and Spotlight. What did you I think was of I was underwhelmed by Creed and I enjoyed Spotlight. Yeah, Spotlight's great. Creed is pretty good. I really liked I really liked how it looked visually, but I think there were some some nice moments and some moments where you're kind of like, why is that in there? And that feels sort of like a different movie. Um, yeah, it sort of made me feel – I felt like a like, – it made me feel uncomfortable watching it, I guess. I'm not a big Michael B. Jordan guy. I don't oh, like not? him that I, much. I love no. him. I think he's great. And, um, and it sort of let me know it's funny. Every boxing movie, you, you finish watching every boxing movie thinking it was good because the last 20 minutes is always awesome. The last 20 minutes is always overcoming whatever it was. We watch uh, – I like Jake Gyllenhaal a lot. We watch Southpaw, which I'm not yeah. sure is a very good movie at all. But the last 20 minutes made me really like it. Boxing movies are easy to save. I, I guess just the – in terms of there was no real villain in the in Creed, but they kept setting up that there was these like guys like that yeah. he has to beat. It, it just yeah. – I just had a problem with like the – the plot and what mattered to the movie. But I think that Michael B. Jordan was, was really good in it. I thought Stallone was solid. Um, I like that, that tr- they tried to give, uh, what's that girl? Tessa Thompson. Yeah. They, tried to, they gave her some, some character and, and they had a female DP shoot it, which uh, a French, a, an indie French female DP shoot it. And it was very cool. She's, she's awesome. Yeah. You're, it's funny about the villains. Like this guy, the, the pretty Ricky guy, they're like, yeah, yeah, he's going to jail. And for some reason, you're like, well, he doesn't seem like that much of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> he so does, weird. Yeah. He's going to have one more fight before jail. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, really? That's it? All right. Okay. It feels like they should have made the jail, like whatever he was going to jail for should have been more serious than it was. Yeah, and They didn't want to make you like think about that. You know? they yeah, want- I guess. It's kind of just like, enjoy the movie, you know? Well, And in boxing movies, I always feel like everyone is supposed to be in much better shape than even real boxers are. Because uh-huh. Michael B. Jordan was really shredded, you know, yeah. and all. But, but Pretty Ricky looked like he was a, a club boxer or something. Yeah. Like, he, yeah, yeah. You know, he wasn't jacked at all. All have right. Seen, that, have you seen Room yet? No, it's on my list, though. I want to see it. That's my favorite movie of last year. Oh, really? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I think raise expectations, but I really loved it. My favorite movie of last year was Sicario. I think I love. I, I really enjoyed Sicario. Sicario. It was great. All, all right, right. That that's all I got. Mike and Mike's movie talk. There you go. We should do movie talk. We're going to need some things for. I, I, you know, last year we said we need some things for the off season, but the off season is when this podcast really shines. Yeah, so. we shine in the off season. Yeah, uh, pressure makes diamonds. I always say. Yeah. Uh, right? Start watching college basketball, please. It's really getting good. It's so good. Well, start watching. All there is is like there's like two weeks left. That's all there there is. So yeah, I'll watch some. Exactly. I'll watch some of the tournament. I'll definitely watch some of the tournament. Best four days of the year. First and week. LSU is not making the tournament, right? Is that pretty much the Probably consensus? Probably not. Probably not. Wow. But they, well, they're still in. They could get an automatic bid. But oh, okay. Uh, um, they play uh, Texas A&M in a couple hours. Uh, all right. It's really fun. College basketball is really fun. I think you would enjoy it more if you gave it a shot. Hmm. Probably not. I'll watch some, though. This has been the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners always get engaged with rings from L.L. Pavorsky. 707 Walnut, always at LLPavorsky.com. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know Lickface. Go, <laughs> love- go Temple. Temple, right, Connecticut temple. at noon. All right. See you, buddy. Later. Later.